Welcome to Unlock Your Magic, the podcast all about living authentically and doing life on your own terms. My name is Christine, I'm your host, and I invite you to come on a journey with me to discover what it means to live an authentic life, looking at the messy bits of how to get there, and hopefully picking up some tips and tricks along the way so that you can start living life as your truest self. Today's guest is Tommy Ellis, and he is a clear audience, which means to hear beyond what is considered normal hearing and listening. To, so to hear beyond what is said. And he is someone like nothing else I've ever met before, to be honest. And he is magic, and our experience was magic, and I hope you enjoy this recording. Welcome. Today's guest is Tommy Ellis, and I'm very excited to speak to you. Thank you so much for coming on, and welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm really looking forward to having the conversation with you. Yeah, so, you know, Tommy, um, I've only come across Tommy recently, and um, that he's blown my mind is an understatement. Um, But I, you know, and I'm really excited to have this conversation with him because he has such I don't want to say unique views on things, but he he's definitely challenged some of my views and um, in the best possible way. And I can't wait to kind of speak to you. So tell us who's Tommy today or what makes you you today in this moment in time? Hmm. OK, so let's just kind of think about that for a second. There's a, a clean signal that can come through let's say the audio that's coming through this microphone, the audio that's coming through your microphone is like, uh, we've got a very clean signal at the moment. That clean signal, let's just call that clean signal authenticity. Let's just say, for example, as a, as a live example, when you say to me, when you say to me, who is Tommy and where is Tommy now? We're given a concession to language. It's mm-hmm. just a concession to language. I've been called Tommy, you've been called Christine, and we take we take that to be so. We take that just to be to be the way it is. But very often the personalities that we're talking about, Christine, are very embroiled in the world. They're very embroiled in stressfulness. They're very embroiled in ideas and opinions and this, that, and the other. And what happens with those ideas and opinions is it makes that signal unclean it makes that signal a dirty signal it makes that sync signal like it's got a type of fuzz or fizziness to it that makes the sound feel off so if you think about the actual authentic aspect of ourselves coming in like a clean signal into the body when it gets embroiled in a personality in a particular sort of way, it can take you down all sorts of wrong roads. So what I've learned and, you know, where am I, where am I, let's say, in my day to day is whenever there's a trigger that comes into my body and it lights me up in a particular way that I don't want to be lit up, mm-hmm. I, hit re- I hit reverse. I hit reverse. I stop it. I acknowledge whether or not it's telling me the truth about something or whether it's trying to take me down a road of frustration that's not going to be good by 2 p.m. today. So I'm involved involved in all sorts of things today. I have a board meeting with a property company that I got to be on. 
uh, I have a, a washer dryer that exploded on Saturday. I got uh, I got an event that I got to organize for uh, Thursday. So I got all the stuff that people got going on. You know, I got stuff that people got going on. However, as soon as my system goes into one of those subjects, like a, an exploding washing machine or the event on Thursday or the property meeting that I have to have tonight, I need to watch that what's going into that meeting is a clean signal. Mm. I need to go in. I need to go in feeling good. I need to go in with a solution. I need to go in with helpfulness. I'm so not willing. Firstly, <laughs> it's the, the trial and error of how you walk through 3D space and time as a solution rather than as being part of the problem in this place mm. is you have, to, you have to acknowledge the sequence of events that, that can go on within your system when the washer dryer explodes. When the washer dryer explodes, a whole sequence of events goes off and it's going to ignite low levels, hopefully low levels of cortisol, of stress hormone, of norepinephrine. That's what it's going to do. Now, it's just a washer dryer. But now my body might think it's a whole bunch more than a washer dryer. Mm. It could be a it could be quite a big problem to my body. So I don't want to give to airy nothing a problem. So I need to kind of allow those feelings that get popped when you hear the sound of the machine breaking and then go, no, no, it's okay. We're doing okay. This is what we have to do. This is what we have to look after. And it's like, you know, you got your beautiful being Max beside you and he is a four-legged friend. And the deal with with this fight or flight system in us, it's the animal aspect of us. You need to be able to get in front of it with the piece of actually what's happening in the moment and don't let that ignite into the day. Because what happens then is that when I get on the property meeting at 7 p.m. tonight, I'm all over the place because I haven't been able to deal with something quite simple. Yeah, so this is about mothering and fathering the animal part of your lower body in such a way that you could be quite peaceful. So I got a multitude of things going on and I feel good. I feel really good because I don't let this character called Tommy run the show. I let the clean signal run the show. That's a different conversation mm. because the clean signals running the show anyway. <laughs> now, if you want, if you want an obfuscation and you want a Tommy to get in the way, or you want a dog to get in the way, or you want a dip to get in the way, if you want that animal body to get in the way, yeah, I got 10 things going on today that could get in the way, but I'm not letting it because it's gotten in the way all my life. Yeah. And what it got in the way of is happiness. What it got in the way of is peacefulness. What it got in the way of is freedom the freedom and the peace that the people that watch this podcast are looking for is inherently available now, which are going to have to grow up. <laughs> That's that. That's what's going to have to happen in order for the world to change. The people that are wanting 
to look at this podcast and, and be involved in this conversation need to know that everything changes for them when they change how they feel in response to the exploding washing machine. And if you can't get if you can't get over that, well, then you don't really have any business having an opinion on this thing and that thing. You can't deal with the washing machine. Well, then hang on a second. We need to talk about your body maybe meditating and unwiring and unfiring your response, your reactive system, your norepinephrine levels, your cortisol levels because of a washing machine. You sort out the little things. This is really important. And I'm telling you, you'll see over time. Happiness is not something that's achieved. <laughs> you don't achieve it. You're not going to work for it. And, and make it happen. Happiness is not achieved. Happiness is your inherent state. Peaceful is your inherent state. And what you want is you want to feel it. So my suggestion is, if you're having an overreaction because of the washing machine, because of the meeting that you need to go to tonight, or because of the text message that was sent to you half an hour ago on WhatsApp, you need to do something about that. Your response to that is your problem going on in your body, and it needs to be ameliorated and I would say suggest I would suggest that meditation is the best way to unwire and unfire the childishness inside of you. Mm. And I, you know, and, and it's interesting because because those two words that you've just used, happiness and and peacefulness. Mm. I posted a picture there on Saturday. It was the first night that I've actually gone out in a very very long time, mm. and those were exact two words that people actually started to comment on. Which is interesting because, mm. you know, it's 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 been a long time that I felt this way. Um, but also, I you know, the one thing that I, as you were speaking, that came to me, it was like, okay, sometimes it depends on the day, right? And kind of like, mm. how do I, like that exploding washing machine, right? It's like, mm. I kind of have like, I feel like for me, sometimes it's a tolerance issue. It's like, oh, I've had too many things kind of let them get, let, let them get in the way. And then the small thing kind of gets me. It's like, okay, that's mm. usually now a sign for me. It's like, okay, I need to do whatever I need to do. I need to get out into nature and need to meditate. And I need to mm. kind of like, you know, get into that, out of that fight or flight kind of system, mm -hmm. right? Um, mm. But that, it's taken me a very long time to get to this place and mm -hmm. the, the the awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's the kind of thing was like, oh, wait, I'm actually... And it was it was a hard reality to be honest to kind of notice that in the last few years, like I've actually been letting this lower part of myself, like you say, run mm. the show for mm. pretty much all my life. Mm -hmm. And I think most mm. of us are running around like that, and a lot of us are not even aware of that. And because you know we're so consumed by our problems and our, you know, you said on 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 an event there on Saturday that we just they're they're not real they're actually not you know real and I mean that can and that sometimes that can be controversial in the sense of like you know if you have a sick child or because that is is very much real in in that mm -hmm. sense right mm -hmm. but I think mm -hmm. what your point is and you know you may try kind of term him is how much we let that allow that to control us and how mm -hmm. much we we allow all of that to affect us in mm -hmm. in this in that sense so would you mind speaking to that a little bit yeah. Okay. So the child and the mom, the child had some symptomology. Child and the mom went to the hospital. They sat with the doctor. The doctor ran some tests. And there's some bits and pieces going on with the child. There's a 
incoherent disorder within the child's system. They go home and they tell dad and they tell the big sister. So everybody's at home and this little five-year-old boy, he's got some stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing. And people can extrapolate whatever way they want. Usually in an adult's body, most diseases will have taken some time to accumulate. They'll take some time to accumulate. And the time that it takes to accumulate is equal to momentum. So in an adult, it's taken time and momentum in order for that disorder to show up. You didn't have the Crohn's disease at 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, and it popped at 35. Okay, so they know now that there's an accumulation over time of that disorder happening in that adult body. But we're talking about a five-year-old. We're talking about a five-year-old. So allow your audience to just marinate a little bit in the idea that what's happening in that child's body is also momentum over time. Let's just allow that momentum over time. The beautiful Brahm, Brahma Kumara's teacher, Sister Shivani, would call that a sanskar. That's what she would call it. So let's say little Johnny, who's five years of age, just been to the hospital, just got this diagnosis. He is at home. Let's just consider that the momentum and the accumulation of this sanskar may be 200 years old, maybe 300 years old. Let's just consider it. You don't have to buy into anything. Just consider that momentum usually works this way. It didn't occur in a five-year-old body out of nowhere. It occurred from somewhere. Let's just allow that. Because when you start to allow that, it broadens you and makes you a little bit more open to maybe how this place works outside of space-time and within space-time. So now everybody's back in the house. Everybody's back in the house. Their washing machine is good, right? Their meetings are good. Everything's good except this diagnosis. Now you tell me, audience, or you tell me, Christine, you tell me, when the mom gets that news and when the dad gets that news, their fight or flight system's turning on. On. It's turning right on. And that's nature. And that's natural. And that's absolutely okay. But I want you to consider the mathematics of and the logic of how much benefit is it to that little five-year-old Johnny that mom is in fear on Monday, mom is in terror on Tuesday, mom is in, mom is in, because mom is worrying, mom is worrying. Now, when mom is worrying and Christine visit mom or Tommy visits mom, that mom is terrified. She's terrified. Why? Because she loves little Johnny and little Johnny's not doing too good, apparently, right? That's what the doctors have said. So what needs to happen and it's really, really difficult. What needs to happen is the electromagnetic field of that fear, of that terror, is now in that 
home. Hmm. Now, is that beneficial to little Johnny or not beneficial to little Johnny? Everybody knows it's not beneficial to little Johnny. So the first thing that needs to happen when you're on the airplane and the oxygen levels go low, the first thing that needs to happen is when the oxygen masks come down, mom puts on the oxygen masks first so she can look after little Johnny next. They tell you to put the mask on for don't try put it on the kid because if you're losing oxygen, you can't do it. Okay, so mom and dad have to get their heads together because when they can get themselves into a better place with it, what happens is they are of much more benefit to Johnny. And mm. what they're going to do with this problem is they're going to go to the hospital and what they're going to do is they're going to adhere to the protocol within that hospital. And the protocol within that hospital is a Newtonian protocol. It's matter changing matter. Well, now little Johnny needs this type of radiotherapy. Okay. But we need to start becoming open to something else. We need mm. to be. Yeah. So we know now what's being studied in San Diego by Dr. Hamel is the electromagnetic field that's measurable from the heart center when it's in the company of sickness has the ability to entrain that sickness out of its sickness and into wellness. Now, mm. this seems like it seems like the stuff of horseshit. That's what it seems like. Right. But it's not. It's being studied. It's being measured. It's starting to be known. Mm. And it's a very, very real phenomenon. So let's say most of your audience now at this point, especially if their moms are going, this is bullshit. OK, so but they know instinctively if you get mom, dad, not necessarily the sister, get mom and dad out of the house. Get them out of the house. So there's little Johnny and the sister. OK, mm. and what you do is you walk in with a team of four or five people. They're peaceful. Mm -hmm. They're happy. You got Ramdas. He's one of them. You got Yeshua. He's another one. You got all these different type of frequencies that are not really buying into the idea of a death realm. They just don't buy it because they're out of that. Now, let's say you got these people and you got some really good, skillful navigators and they went in and they sat in and around this body. Is that going to be more beneficial to little Johnny than mom and dad that are in the terror? Yes, it is. So people need to think about that. People need to think about that because they instinctively know that what I'm saying is so. They know it is. The <laughs> electromagnetic field from your heart center, from love, from kindness, from carefulness, when it's in and around little Johnny, is he going to benefit from that? Yes, he is. Does that have the ability to have an effect on his body? Yes, it is, because it's his interpretation. So if there's a sick kid and mom has gone wild with the fear, mom needs to think about that. Mom needs to think about that and needs to unwire and unfire that response because it's not going to help. It's, so it then doesn't help. on practical terms, right? So let's let's take that yeah. example of, you know, of the mom who is, you know, rightly so in terror initially right because it's like we don't want to lose mm. our child we don't want to lose you yeah. know those we love and that's like you said natural mm. reaction so how mm. does while now while we have Ram Das, who is who was an amazing kind of man I had actually the pleasure to meet as well yeah. um hey nice <laughs> in Maui actually on, on Ma mm -hmm. in Maui um 
So while they're with Johnny, what do you tell mom? Like, what does mom need to do in order to get her into that peaceful state, into possibly, I don't know, acceptance? Is it acceptance of, well, he may he may go out of his physical body? Mm-hmm. And, you yeah. know, is it the acceptance that kind of does that? And it's like, yeah. and I suppose that comes in then the belief of death realm doesn't exist, right? Or like, mm-hmm. or we stay here, even though not our physical body may go. I don't know, mm. is that the thing that's going to help her? Or like in, in practical terms, what can she do to get herself into that state so that she can be beneficial? So the thing about little Johnny and this symptomology that's kind of been set up in the body is these diagnoses get accepted straight away. Mm. They do. And what happens is, And there's lots and lots of cases where the placebo of the diagnosis that was said causes the sickness in the person. So it gets said by the doctor. It's inhabited by the body. The body's now inhabiting a different chemistry because it's terrified of what it's being given, only to be told three hours later by phone, we were looking at the wrong records. (laughs) That's happened many, many times. So that placebo And the taking on board of this diagnosis, it's a very, very hard thing to do. But I would say, don't accept the diagnosis. Mm. Don't accept the diagnosis because that's going to bring you into the realm of hospitals. It's going to bring you into the realm of Newtonian matter, changing matter, radiotherapy, all the bits and pieces, which are all good. They're all perfect. If I've got a broken arm, I ain't going meditating. I'm (laughs) going to the hospital. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we know that. So there's a practicality in space time in terms of matter change and matter. So what mom needs to do is mom needs to meditate because mom needs to know that the love and the oxytocin that can move through her system is more beneficial than her own personal fear of losing someone or something as a result of a diagnosis that's being given by a very, very questionable setup. We all know that the pharmaceutical, this, that, the others are questionable. So let's say little Johnny's been told it's a form of cancer. Everybody knows that sugar feeds the cancer. Everybody knows that now. That's known. You go and walk into St. Vincent's, Christine. Go in a couple of hours, walk into St. Vincent's and walk through the foyer as you go to visit little Johnny when he's having a consultation. Watch the amount of sugar you walk past. Mm, yeah yeah and you know even even the food in hospitals right i mean it's it's not Mm. made to kind of recover it's actually the the opposite (laughs) really yeah exactly so there are fasting hospitals it's quite tricky with kids but there are fasting hospitals now that treat cancer with fasting Hmm. yeah there is very very different ways that people are approaching this type of thing so it's how It's called the refractory period. It's the amount of time that you, if mom keeps her fight or flight system on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, little Johnny's now, he ain't worried about, he ain't worried about the disease because he doesn't really understand it. Anyway, he's watching mom losing it. Mm. And mom has to, mom mom has to not lose it. Mm. Mom has to not, you can lose it on Tuesday. But on, on Wednesday and Thursday, you need to get out of the house and you need to lose it some more. 
lose it, lose it, lose it. But then on Friday, you need to be like, okay, this ain't helping anybody. I'm losing it. This now seems like it's about me losing something. Mm. I'm not going to be helpful to little Johnny if I make this about me losing something. This is about giving something. When you start understanding that, you're, you're going to start in, in, in a very appreciative way, be able to be in the moment with little Johnny in a very different way. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's being present with that is. And also, I suppose what I'm hearing as well is the, the questioning of just, yes, yeah. doctors are great. And yes, mm. but at the same time, uh, who did I have a conversation with the other day? I've had a conversation the other day where actually I think they don't even get two hours lecture in their whole education on nutrition or sleep. So yeah, it's it's. I was. I hope you know, people find this helpful. I want to change the tune slightly, and I want to go yeah. a little bit into your story, right? Because I think that was really yeah. useful as an example of like what I'm hearing is you know your answer is meditate, but also get rid like get into that peaceful and happiness state. And I suppose the more you do it on a regular basis, the easier yeah. it is going to be for you when you get these catastrophic heart news. It's yeah. going to be a lot easier for you to kind of snap out of it. And it's like, okay, I'm going to give myself the, the Tuesday to kind of lose my shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to come back to where I need to go. But I think that the key, I think, to that is practice. Yeah, exactly. Like, at least for me, and, right? Cause... And just remember that unhappiness is an unconscious, body-orientated practice. Hmm. Just remember that unhappiness is a practice that is unconsciously being promoted and produced by the unconscious body-mind. All the non-duality teachers, Rupert, Ajishanti, Sri Nizagadatta, Ramana Maharshi, Papaji, Muji, all of them, they all speak about the body-mind. Why are they talking about the body as the mind? Because they understand that the body is the unconscious mind. Now, if you consider that, then you could consider, well, how could I get a higher, faster frequency love, let's say, into my body so I can be more helpful in this place as that? Mm. That's, the, that's the question. That's the question. Amazing. Now, like I said, I want to change the tune a little bit. I want to hear a little bit about how did you get to all of this? You've started and you've, you know, you've experimented and you've, you've done an awful lot of things to get to this knowledge, right? Didn't just fall into your lap probably, but so I'd love mm. to kind of hear what was your journey to get to this point? Well, so I'm the youngest of six kids. Okay. And what they did what my family did when I was, I think I was 11 or 12 years of age, is they brought me to a psychiatrist. So they got my sister to bring me to a psychiatrist at that age. And my sister would sit with me in the psychiatrist's office. And this psychiatrist was a priest. And... Um, we sat there and we were dialoguing and straight away in the interaction, I was into it. I was into the chat because there was nobody 
where I came from that were having these types of conversations. I was instantly engaged in when somebody would say to me, so how do you feel? What do you think? What's going on? So I was instantly engaged. So I got engaged with that conversation. And then I learned, I learned quite quickly that my family didn't have the ability to look at the problems that were going on in that home. So what they did is every family has various different roles. One of the roles would be the joker. One of the roles would be the good child. Another one of the roles would be the addict or whatever. So there's, a, there's also a role within a, an alcoholic codependent family dynamic like that. And it's called the role of the scapegoat. So mm. I was the scapegoat. So biblically, if you get down with this idea, biblically, what the scapegoat was or what the black sheep was, the scapegoat was brought in front of the village and all the sins of the village were painted as a black paint onto the sheep or onto the goat. That's where black sheep or scapegoat comes from. And what they would do is as a village, they would run this sheep or run this goat off the edge of the cliff. Now all our unconscious problems are gone. <laughs> yeah, but no, they're not. Mm. No, they're not. So what that is, it's a it's a unconscious projection onto the child because they didn't have the ability to have the conversation about my dad's alcoholism. They didn't have the conversation about my mom's codependency. They didn't have the conversation about the various different interpersonal dynamics and levels of stress that were going on in that environment. So you'll find if you investigate this, it's very, very fascinating that the scapegoat in a dysfunctional family system will always be the one that goes to get help because mm. they were, they're always the one that believes that they're the problem. So my mom told me unequivocally, you're the problem. Now, my dad could be behaving in all sorts of ways, but she, could, she couldn't say it to him, so she had to put it onto me. So she puts the projection and the blame onto me. I'm the scapegoat, and now Tommy believes he's the problem. Well, now, if you tell Tommy that he's the problem, I'm going to show you what problems are. <laughs> so all the problems ignited in me. So at 10, 11, 12, 13, I had problems with substance abuse. Okay, because I'm the problem. So now I'm going to get high to get away from the problem. I'm the problem. I'm going to get high, get out of the problem. Simple chemistry, simple mathematics and the logic of a child. So that's what I would do. Sniff petrol, sniff glue, sniff Tipex tinners, sniff lighter fluid. That's what I'm going to do. And I did it very well. I was very manipulative, very coercive. I was very good liar. I was all of those things. So I could go and do whatever I needed to do to steal the substance in the store at 13 years of age, because I'm the problem. Now I'm going to show you a problem. So you keep on telling me what you think I am. I'm going to show you that. When mom is with little Johnny in the house, projecting the fear, Johnny's going to show you that. So you need to think about that. Okay. So I'm the problem. And that becomes accumulative. So at, 14, I believe at 14, 15 years of age, I was a sex addict. So I had sex addiction entwined and in, 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 enraged in my system. Sex addiction 
porn addiction, two girlfriends at a time, this type of thing. You know, I, I, I'm kind of lost. So yeah. the further, the further and further I got into being this so-called problem, I just became enraptured with the identity. So mm. then I was at 18, 19, violent. I was violent. <laughs> I was just, you know, that was my countenance. That was my, I'm the problem. So now I'm violent. I've got a problem with alcohol. I'm a sex addict, 100%. I'm all, all sorts of, all sorts of stuff is kind of going on with my system. But then I had a conversation with my uncle. And I, and I tell you exactly when this was. I had a conversation with my uncle in January of 1994. And in January of 1994, I was, I was arrested. And the police, the Garda that had arrested me, wanted me to go to jail. And my brother knew one of the Garda and they kind of knew, listen, you're a lot of things, but you shouldn't be in jail because you're not going to get on too good there. So I started picking it as like, yeah, don't really want that. So yeah. what happened was my own, they, my family said to me, we're going to throw you out of the house unless you go have a conversation with your uncle. So I went and I had a conversation with my uncle. And the only thing I remember from the conversation with my uncle in 1994 in January in his home is I love you. That's what he said. He said a lot of this, a lot of that about alcohol, about AA, about fellowship. He said all that, but he said, I love you. Hmm. And it went through me and reverberated through me like a wave of energy went through me. Because when he said it, he meant it. When yeah. he said it, he meant it. So that was the first pivot point inside of me. So he could tell me now, go out the back garden and jump on that trampoline 359 times and you'll be free of the, the, the. I'd have done anything he said. And he said to me, listen, you're going to have to go into this treatment center. You're going to have to sit still for about six weeks because these police, they want you that way. You need to get, they'll, they'll let you off the hook of these charges if you go into the treatment center. I said, no problem. So on Monday, February 14th, Valentine's Day, 1994, I walked up the steps of the treatment center. And that afternoon, I ended up in a group. I ended up in a group and I watched two female facilitators, like two wizards dealing with 10 reprobates in this in this room I mean these women were just skillful and from that point I just became absolutely engaged in the process of uncovering the truth of what was kind of going on so it took a bit of time and it took a bit of time before I had that kind of let's say that Eckhart Tolle type of pop in 2017 mm. 2017 the lid came off and I was like I uh, uh, something something radic, radical changed and everything changed. I was sitting on the couch. It was two o'clock, 2017. I think it was July 27th. And I, I popped, I popped. And everything changed. But the only thing I can tell you is it's been very 
beautiful ever since. And I understand the, tra the trajectory of the lie of who I took myself to be. And I knew I was never that. I knew I could see it because I was being shown what I am. And I was being shown the essence of what I am. And it had nothing to do with the label Tommy, nothing to do with the label addict, nothing to do with the label alcoholic, nothing to do with the label of Tommy's done 10 years of holotropic breath work or Tommy has drank ayahuasca for five years or Tommy has or Tommy has or Tom. Who's this character called Tommy in 2017? That popped and he popped too. He went into the background and something came into the foreground. And what came into the foreground is what I am. And what went into the background is what I'm not. And when that switcheroo happened, everything started to change. And one of the things that I am skillful and proficient at doing with people and working with people energetically and otherwise is I'm very skillful at working with people to disavow and disallow the identity system that they've taken themselves to be to dig another hole for them to get out of. So that's so what so I that. help people with. Yeah, yeah. I'm you're I'm so really, good at that. Really, really like you're like that. masters yeah, yeah, at yeah, yeah. that. Mm. And I, I do feel like it's, I, in my life personally, I've, like, I've been trying to get rid of that ever since mm. I can remember from about 10 years old. It probably even earlier than that, though. I was like... Mm. There's something there's th that's not me like there's something underneath that that but it's the work of like how do I get back to that because I think mm -hmm. we as we are born I think you know little babies are just that they're just light they have mm -hmm. none of yeah. that you know or you know they have so much light I do think they come in with conditioning already but I think they're they're still so untouched and they're so yeah. they're so in their light and they're they're so that so I think if we can teach teach them how to not lose that in the first place exactly then then the you're then you're gonna have to have mom and dad doing work on themselves mom yeah. and dad need to be investigating who and what they are mom and dad are gonna have to do some work on themselves to not carpet bomb little johnny's subconscious with their stuff that they never healed they're going to have to do that. And don't expect little Johnny to not end up a addict this way or a sugar addict that way. And don't think that it's not because of the environment where the program got instantiated. It is because of the environment where the program got instantiated. It, it absolutely is. There are some small exceptions and variations, but the general rule is that programming goes in from zero to seven years of age, zero to seven years of age, you're in the theta range, your brainwave state is in the theta range, you're now in a hypnotic state. So if I'm in a hypnotic state and I'm five years of age and my dad's coming home and he's hammered drunk every night through the 1980s, what do you think I'm going to have? going on i'm not going to end up a radical meditator i'm not going to end up being drawn to ramdas i'm not going to end up listening to wayne dyer i'm going to end up on the piss that's where you end up that's what happens so the people that are in environments with little people need to understand that they need to check themselves and don't be looking so much at the child's behavior be looking at the fact that you're a reflection 
of that behavior. So, yeah. big time. Yeah. Big time. So, I mean, is there any, like, I suppose the, the before we start wrapping them up, I, I always kind of like to kind of, you know, see it was like, because I know you've already mentioned meditation. So, like, mm. is there anything else that you kind of, like, apart from, like, looking at your stuff and healing your stuff? And obviously, we know that there's so many different tools and practices out there breath work and all of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. is there anything that because not everyone is going to have an experience like you where the lid just pops off right because i mean you've done a lot of work around that mm-hmm. stuff too because you had mm-hmm. to look at that right yeah. and is there any advice you'd give someone that is kind of on the on the journey of like okay this the way my life is right now not happy like and i want to get mm-hmm. to the place where i'm happy and peaceful yeah. and and that yeah so pick the subject so let's say the subject is the relationship you're in okay so the relationship you're in you're not happy it's not going well doesn't feel good and your name is jessica so jessica is in a relationship with little johnny that's now grown up and little johnny's doing well (laughs) so jessica is in a relationship and she's not drawn to meditation first thing is Question what it is about meditation that you're not drawn to. Is it the couch? Is it the eye mask? Is it the fact that you don't like to sit on your own for periods of time? What is it that comes up in you? So what I would say to people is the subject, like the relationship that Jessica's in, the subject needs to be explored by her and in explored in such a way as how am I thinking about that subject and how is that subject making me feel as a result of that thinking? So how is my thinking, feeling, feeling, thinking loop? What sort of loop is going on inside of me around the subject of the relationship? And understand deeply that that's what's creating it. That's what's creating it. Take responsibility and ownership of what you're producing in your body and the effect that that has in the outside 3D space and time. So I would say self-reflection. And here's the other thing. Don't do anything and see how that goes. Keep on blaming Johnny, Jessica, and see how that goes. Keep on going to your therapist and talking about what it was like when you were five and see how that goes. Then go and drink the ayahuasca and see how that goes. Then go take the psilocybin with the Maria Sabina people, see how that goes. Because none of it is going to have any effect. It's not going to do anything. The breathwork will not work. I've seen it a multitude of times, like I'm talking hundreds of times. It's not going to work until you check yourself. Check how you're thinking and you're feeling about that relationship or about that subject. And if you're not willing to do any ownership or if you're not willing to change how you feel about that or do the inner work around that, then guess what? It's never going to change. If you don't change, it's never going to change. And what it means for you to change is you need to change how you feel about that subject. You need to start thinking about the chemistry you're pouring into the world and the vibration and the frequency that you're pouring into the world. And that's what I do with people. I listen to them and then I say, okay, this is what's coming. This is what you're broadcasting. I know the part of your body that you're broadcasting from. I know the history that's entangled with that. So we need to do something about that. So that's what I'd say to people. Check your thinking, feeling, feeling, thinking in and around the subject and ask yourself, is it helpful? 
or is it not helpful? You'll probably find if you're not feeling good that it's not, not helpful. So you need to do something different. Amen to that. <laughs> I can say from my own experience, uh, having had a session with you, that it does require self-responsibility. And it's like, oh, yeah, I've been kind of hiding there. And I've been hiding, like, I've been, like, not honest with myself. And I've not been taking responsibility. But the result of that is transformation, once you do, I think. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So where can people find you? Where can people work with you? Um, mm. And how do you, yeah, how do you work? So there's a monthly meetup group that you've experienced, Christine, that's called the Superhero Satsang. And you can access the link for that on www.velvetvoice.ie. That's V-E-L-V-E-T-V-O-I-C-E.ie. And everything's there, really. If you're drawn to doing, there's a starter session that I run now. It's called the Novice. Then there's the Initiate, which is a longer amount of time. Then there's the Mystic. So there's various different services on the website, velvetvoice.ie. But uh, I would suggest that people start with maybe the either the novice session or the superhero satsang, and then we can go from there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking out time of your day. And hey, thank you. That was great. Wisdom, great chat with, with us all. And um, yeah, mm -hmm. thank you. Cool, cool. Thank you for listening to another episode of Unlock Your Magic. If you like this episode, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast to subscribe, rate, or leave us a review. These small actions help us immensely since we're an independent podcast without any sponsorship. See you next time.